You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam uh, Imran Akram. So, how are we feeling today, Imran? Um, a very solemn day today, actually. Yeah, actually, uh, Queen's funeral today, and mm-hmm. uh, feeling uh, honestly a bit, uh, you can say, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, sad, uh, in a reflective mode, you know, thinking about the... Because, you know, when you have, I suppose, your monarch uh, who has reigned for, over, you know, for 70 years, yeah. um, definitely, you know, she was there always in my lifetime. I'm yeah. 54. Um, and, you know, you, you tend to think, right, okay, you've lost something which has always been a um, like a rock in your life, yeah. right? You look towards the monarchy. She's always been there. Yeah. Um, she's seen, you know, the end of World War II, um, and through ninety odd years, this country. She's mm-hmm. she's led this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for, sorry, for seventy odd years uh, of her ninety six years mm-hmm. uh, here, and you know, you reflect on okay. You, you think of her passing and, you know, the works that she's done as uh, the queen of this country, uh, not just on a domestic level, but mm-hmm. on a global level. True. Um, and, you know, also, you know, we should also look at it as a celebration of her life. Yeah. Mm. I mean, people were so used to see her um, as a monarch and uh, the people were used to see her as a motherly figure. Mm-hmm. And uh, for many people... Uh, she was just like a mother to mm-hmm. them, and uh, suddenly uh, to her this news, I think many people were very saddened to mm. this news. I, yeah. I think it was the uh, suddenness of it because yeah. um, you know it was only last Thursday, yeah. uh, no, sorry, yes, Thursday when she passed away, and then uh, subsequently when we you know heard on the news uh, mm-hmm. that she had passed away, and if you just reflect, I mean, it's just the summertime. Yeah. that uh, she celebrated her platinum jubilee sure. um and in fact uh literally days before she had met with our new uh, prime minister liz truss and yeah. you know who was to think that uh her passing would be so sudden yeah. in a sense yeah. i mean nobody was expecting you know the news and mm. uh, uh to hear this news suddenly i mean it really impacts um to me mm. as well and so many other people's mm. uh, people. Yeah, because uh, you think, well, actually, she is a part of our lives, but yeah. not really as well. Yeah. Um, it's not as if, you know, we would go and see her. She's not part of our family. Yeah. Um, but like I say, it's something that you expect to be there, yeah. right? Um, and then suddenly to have uh, that person. And I suppose uh, it's the, um, let's say, the, the security mm-hmm. uh, and... You know, solidity that yeah. she she brought, yeah. uh, that stableness uh, amongst all things. Because if you think about it, uh, even in politics, every mm-hmm. four years, maybe we've got a new leader. Yeah. Maybe we've got a new party in charge of the country. But, you know, she has seen, I think, uh, if memory serves me correct, 15 yeah. prime 15 ministers, prime minister, yeah. right? So that's that in <laughs> itself. Is, my God, you know, she's you know, 15 prime ministers have come and gone. Yeah. Uh, and you know served as her first minister um but you know 
when we actually uh i mean even just driving into the studios today i could sense you know there's a quietness yeah. around the streets and the roads and i'm sure uh, i was watching um the actual state ceremony this morning uh, mm-hmm. as it started at 11 o'clock um on tv and uh, i i believe the uh, royal courtier is still making its way to windsor mm-hmm. and you can see that um just not just uh, currently, but uh, in the run-up, mm-hmm. uh, all the people, the tens of thousands of people who have come, you know, from far and wide, yeah. to pay their respects. True. Yeah. I mean, you can feel the sadness, and uh, you can feel and smell the sadness uh, into the air. Mm. And uh, obviously, um, she was there for us uh, like more than, uh, I mean. F- how many years like more than 50 50 years yeah well Uh, she reigned for 70 70 years years, and and, uh, yeah so that was uh, Mm. I mean that's and and I think the point that you're making there Imran is that it's it's actually palpable you feel that in the air uh, people are saddened yeah Um, I was actually out um, playing around a golf yesterday. I always bring <laughs> golf to this, right? But I was um, talking to w- one of our uh, kind of like partners that we were playing with, and he'd actually gone uh, to uh, Westminster. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I believe it was Westminster Westminster uh, Abbey, Abbey, yeah. Yeah, right? Or yeah. wherever she was lying in state mm-hmm. to pay their respects. And he said, "Look, you know, I, um, I actually started off, uh, I think, midday on Thursday." And uh, it, it took him seven hours, mm-hmm. right? Nice. Seven hours. And just the way that he was describing his journey, uh, being in the crowd, being in the queue, um, because you would think, you know, normally if you're waiting for something for that long mm-hmm. um, and to see it, and it would be an event of some sort, right? Yeah. And you'd have some kind of excitement you know, because you're you're approaching... Uh, the end of the mm-hmm. journey, i.e., you know, you're going to get to see whatever it is you've been waiting seven hours to see, and his, and Mark was like saying, "This is my friend." Mm-hmm. So you know, it was a very weird feeling because when we actually got into uh, view mm-hmm. the coffin, mm-hmm. um, and you file past uh, the coffin to pay your respects for the whole seven hours, uh, or most of that seven hours that he was in the queue. You know, there was no chanting, there was no shouting. You know, everyone calmness, had that yeah. kind of calmness and solidarity so uh, in, in the sense that, you know, everyone was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd come from far and wide mm-hmm. uh, to pay their respects to the to, to the queen yeah. uh, who was lying in state. And, you know, that was the, the, the wondrous thing. It didn't matter what you were doing or what you did. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was there with that. Yeah one um objective really right and that sense of calmness that sense of like i said the solidarity um that emanates from being in that crowded environment and like normally you would think right okay if you've got tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. waiting in line for and you know he waited seven i think he said seven hours in the end Mm -hmm. but you know at points people were waiting i mean i was seeing on the news that some people were waiting you know for far longer Uh, times than that yeah. so um yeah it's 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 a wonder but i, I think even uh, his holiness Mr. 
uh, Masra Ahmed, head of the worldwide uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has made a statement. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that statement? Uh, yeah, Imran? so um, His Holiness uh, Hazrat Mirza Masra Ahmed uh, has said that the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II is a truly great loss for the United Kingdom and Commonwealth. Ahmadi Muslim will remain forever grateful for the way Her Majesty served her people with immense dignity, grace and unwavering dedication. Throughout her long reign, on behalf of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, I wish to express our most sincere condolence to His Majesty King Charles III, the member of the royal family and, and to the nation. May God Almighty grant them all the patience and strength to deal with this tremendous loss. Mm. And the Ahmadiyya Muslim community too is saddened by her passing. Uh, but we'll spend this show uh, looking at her extraordinary life and, like we said, a, a celebration of her life mm-hmm. uh, and reign and focus on the good that uh, she actually achieved uh, with her um, role as the Queen of England. Now, despite her role as a constitutional monarch, she was nonetheless seen by many as a leader. Uh, and in Islam, Leadership is rooted in the belief and willing submission to the Creator, uh, God Almighty. And it's stated in the Holy Quran that, uh, and we made them leaders who guided people uh, by our command, and we sent revelation to them, enjoining the doing of good works and the observing of prayer and the giving of alms, and they were worshippers of us alone. Now that's from chapter 21, verse 74. Now, of course, as uh, today uh, the whole country holds uh, this funeral uh, for Her Majesty. Uh, perhaps it's time to, like I said, reflect uh, on the philosophy of death. You know how it impacts the deceased, uh, those left behind, the bereaved, uh, and you know, I suppose uh, specifically in this case, mm-hmm. you know how it's going to affect this country. Yeah. Uh, death is the only certainty we actually have in life. It's the one true fact of our lives I suppose mm-hmm. uh, no one has ever been able to escape it and for many it is known as the only true uh, equalizer in your existence but uh, just because it's our only certainty doesn't mean that we are in any way uh, <laughs> you know, prepared for it or ready to accept it mm-hmm. uh, so how we or so how we deal with this or how do we deal with this I mean how do we confront the idea of our mortality and indeed finality um, but we'll get more into that I think we've got our first guest of the day to speak about this uh, uh, we're joined by Noreen Ahmed who is a member of the Ladies Auxiliary Organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community peace be upon you thank you for joining us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show Noreen Assalamualaikum. Thank for having me. So, you know, we're all experiencing this loss um, and remembrance of Her Majesty the Queen. I mean, how did you feel about the Queen's death? Um, you know, when the day the news came out that she's not well, and when they did eventually, you know, break the news of her death, you know, I did have a tear come down. I did really feel emotional. I mean, she was that constant in our life, you know, mm-hmm. through our schooling. You know, that queen's been here for 70 years, so mm-hmm. it was that constant in our life. And at that point, my youngest child, who's five years old, 
um, obviously Dave just celebrated the Jubilee at school, you know, all of this has gone on. And he said, Mummy, you never took me to see the Queen when she's alive. And now I want to see her, you know, mm-hmm. she's passed away. So he couldn't believe it either. Um, but it was also, you know, we are Muslims and we are British at the same time. And it's also about our loyalty to our nation. And also we've we've read about, um, you know, the, the Promised Messiah's books. And also we follow the footsteps of um, our Khalifa too, about appreciating that the Queen served. She served humanity. She served people. Mm-hmm. And in the Holy Quran, it says that, in order to fulfill the rights of Allah, fulfill the rights of humanity. Yeah. And I think being a lady, post-war Britain, after she served in the war, you know, we've, we've seen footage and examples of that mentioned on the news. Um, and from post-war Britain onwards, you know, she's brought us to this modern day in the sense that she's served. And we've seen how things have evolved under her reign. And I think it's our duty to give her that respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Noreen, yeah. I mean, you know, at, at the top of the show, you know, I was just uh, saying with Imran here that mm-hmm. it's it's a weird feeling, uh, that sense of loss, because she wasn't my grandmother, you know, not no, by no. any blood relation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never met the Queen. Uh, I've never had that privilege. Um, but it's it's bizarre that, you know, you ought to feel this, I suppose, uh, sense of loss. Um, you know, can do you feel that kind of uh, that sense of loss? Um, absolutely. She represented also our grandparents' generation. That is a generation that sacrificed. You mm-hmm. know, through through what the war. I mean, you know, my grandparent, my grandmother, especially, told me about partition. Um, my husband's side's grandfather. He fought for the British Army, mm-hmm. you know. So he, she definitely represents that generation. She's the granny of the nation. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you've hit it on the nail on the head there, in the sense that uh, with her passing, you know, at the age of ninety-six, you tend to think of if you still have grandparents or they or your grand your own grandparents have passed. It makes you reflect on you know their achievements and that time. And it's almost like um, a passing of an age. That is absolutely it. It's Mm. it's the end of an era, beginning Mm. of a new, different era now. Mm. So definitely, I mean, I feel, feel, you know, because we felt like that um, on Wednesday, um, because my youngest wanted, you know, he felt it so much. So I thought, well, I don't know, we can't go and see. I wasn't sure if we can go and see the Queen laying in state. But I thought, let me go and pay respects at Buckingham Palace or Green Park to see the flowers. Mm-hmm. So on our way, we were we were going, and I found out Green Park Station was closed. So um, my my parents were with me as well, and my husband, and my three kids. So we started walking towards the London Eye, and my husband said, we're going to have to walk to towards Buckingham Palace. And as we were walking, we realised the queue for you know, seeing the Queen laying in state was sort of starting from there. Mm-hmm. And we managed to get hold of um, wristbands. So we ended up joining the queue mm. on Wednesday. And um, we were lucky enough to actually pay our respects going into Westminster Hall and seeing, you know, the Queen laying in state. And mm-hmm. that was, that meant a lot, especially to my youngest. And it just shows that 
you know, when, when your mind and your intentions are in the right place, Allah listens. And Allah mm-hmm. listened to my youngest. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to see the queen, that she has passed away. And it happened. We had a chance to pay our respect. So, mm-hmm. I think Imran's it, got a question for you, Noreen. Yeah, yeah Noreen, you, uh, you mentioned that you visited uh, with your husband and with your um, youngest um, child. Uh, can you t- tell us about a bit of your experience? What are the emotions of the people and uh, what is the experience of seeing the uh, Queen's coffin? It, it is emotional and you can see that this one lady, you know, she, she wasn't, she was tiny in size and you know, she was actually humble. If we, you know... She was our monarch, our queen, and a lot of people associate the glamour with that. But really, she served, she sacrificed never to serve the nation until she was 96. If we mm. look at the retirement age and look at she was still, you know, even throughout the pandemic, she was doing it on Zoom, mm-hmm. you know, the speech she gave, all of these things she did for her country, and she gave herself up. She literally gave herself up. And, you know, also she was a lady of faith. So she really, her faith was key to her. And this is what everyone was talking about as I was talking to other members who were in the queue, you know, that she was a person of faith. She had tolerance. And Mm. she, that whole keep calm, carry on, you know, that whole tolerance that she kept on going no matter Mm. what Mm. is an example for us all that you know mm. we all need to have that bit of patience and mm. she was a lady who had the exa- that example you know, exemplary patience that tolerance mm. Mm. i think noreen so, uh, just there i was uh, listening in and um, you know to what you were saying as regarding to your experience and uh, you know pointing out that speech that she gave whilst we were in lockdown um and um you know, experiencing those feelings because, you know, never in this country have we actually experienced a lockdown like that because, you know, yes, I suppose, you know, during uh, the time of World War Two when you had the blackouts, I mean, I although I'm old, I'm not quite that old, but, you know, um, you know, seeing old footage and seeing um, cities actually, you know, uh, people kind of going into the underground to... Um, you know, to get away from the bombing during World War Two, yeah, uh, would be like a situation like that. But you know, for us, COVID, there, there was it's an unseen enemy, mm-hmm. and we had to force ourselves uh, through the direction of the government to stay in our homes. And I remember uh, quite poignantly the speech that the Queen gave saying, um, you know, this is a a terrible time, not just for us, but for the world. And we have this unseen enemy, uh, this virus, which can kill, and is still killing to this day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we need to be, uh, we need to follow the guidance. Uh, We need to stay at home. We need to be careful of ourselves and care for our, you know, our family and our friends by doing this. And... um, I believe in part of her speech at the end, you know, you know, we will, you know, we will actually endure this and we will come through the other side and we will see each other one day. And, yeah. you know, those words were so, I mean, if I compare them to, you know, other politicians of the time and their messages that they gave us, I found, you know, um, 
a surety and uh, you know just a calmness uh in the way that she um purported herself you know and gave this message to the to the country and you felt uh well i felt definitely uh, assured that actually you know i believe that yes we will yeah, uh succeed uh, at the end of this i mean you know how, how you know that's what the queen i think meant to us Yes, I think that speech, you know, it was very positive in that way. And mm-hmm. generally, her whole take on life, you know, she, she, she was mindfulness. There was that mindfulness there that she had a very positive attitude towards things. And I, I was just, we're just lucky that she was our queen for all those mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So, so going, going back to your experience of actually being, you know, so, you know, <laughs> you know God does smile on those who pray. And uh, yes. you know your son wanted to see the queen, uh, and you were able to you know kind of get into that queue. Um, yeah. I mean, what you know was there anything actually organised for those who are uh, unable to wait in those long queues, uh, but still wanted to see the queen? I mean, how was that organised? Well, um, I, I have three children, so my youngest really wanted to see, but my oldest child, my oldest son, he is autistic. Okay, and. Um, he do, he loves going out to London generally, but obviously one of his challenges is lining up and mm-hmm. you know waiting for things. But because everyone was so calm and it was so well organised that even that waiting didn't actually cause that anxiety because they had the scouts on duty, mm-hmm. they had stewards, and um, my son wears his sunflower lanyard, uh, which is often for hidden disabilities. And they noticed my son had that. And um, two scouts came up to us and said, oh, we understand, you know, you've got the sunflower lanyard. Your son is special needs. Do you need any help? Mm. And I said, "Um, is it okay? You know, they they said, I can sit on the side with him. I don't have to stay in the queue, but my position was stay in the queue because I have the wristband. Mm -hmm. And I think my wristband number was (laughs) 7,770-something. All the sevens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all the sevens. And she, she, they also explained to me that number on your wristband is what number of person you are going through. Okay. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was the first day. And okay. they, they bought us snacks. And every half an hour, every 20 minutes, they were coming to see if we're okay and updating us at what point in the queue we are. Uh, it, it, it reassures a person, instantly makes you feel calm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the whole general feeling, everyone was there together, that unity, even though we're from different walks of life, different faiths, there was a faith team there as well. And everyone was, you know, connected to their faith in a different way, but talking about it. And it was a quite a very positive, but very emotional experience. And it was a sense of unity mm-hmm. when you're queuing up, that whole experience. And I don't know if, it, you know, to have that at national level, is very unique. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Noreen, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon on such a solemn day, uh, you know, on the funeral of Her Majesty and sharing our experiences or sharing your experiences uh, whilst uh, waiting in the queue uh, to pay your respects to Her Majesty. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Ah, alaikum. O two O eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Um, especially if you were one of those who who who, who actually took your time out 
to pay your respects to the Queen uh, in that queue. Uh, and I know um, uh, even my friend Mark, who had gone up on the Thursday, said, you know, it was a really well organized. Mm-hmm. Um, because you think, you know, how, how if, say, for instance, uh, with Noreen, uh, if you have someone who has got special needs or is disabled, um, and you saw a lot of you know, elderly uh, yep. who were in the queue and you know especially you know war veterans elderly uh, of that generation who want to show their uh, uh, respects to the queen uh, to her majesty physically you know even if your body say for instance even if your mind wants you to do something mm-hmm. physically your body might not be able to do it yeah, so it's a and consideration what, yeah one of the point of which uh, uh, Noreen mentioned and um, that uh, although this is very very uh, sad news that she passed away, but uh, somehow this incident, I mean, uh, gather everyone on the mm. on the one uh, point, which is brotherhood and mm. you know give unifies, unifies. That unity. Yeah. yeah, you feel yeah. Uh, yeah. in in that sense. Yeah. But you know, we were talking about um, you know the, the concept of death and how that affects us. I mean, what more can we talk about the rights of death? Yeah. So. Um, rights of that can be found in any religion, culture, or society, and indeed they are all vital to any society. Um, the Colombian writer Gabriel wrote in his um, novel One Hundred Years of Solitude. Uh, he writes that uh, a land is not considered considered yours by your family being born, but by who you bury there. Thus, we uh, we see the idea of that as being integral to the idea of identity and community even so it is it is not different um when it comes to the royal family in many ways the royal family is uh, is a repre- representative of the country and its people and therefore their grief is the country's grief not just the people of the of the country and uh, yeah so but the idea um the very idea of britain must uh, undergo a period of mourning this shows this is the um shown in many different ways and in some ways may even seem too traditional and outdated um some may even say the queen was just a woman and there is no need to commemorate her as an individual uh with so much pomp but other may say other may urge it is not the loss of just queen elizabeth ii that we are mourning but the rather but rather an integral part of Britishness, which is now lost. Mm. And I think, you know, that that has been displayed by what Noreen was telling us, uh, yeah. that, you know, it's not just one person who has been lost. It's actually, uh, you know, it, it's funny that you would liken a physical person to an institution. And it is the monarchy, although it's a constitutional monarchy, it hasn't been elected mm-hmm. um, and it's been passed down uh from uh from king to queen uh from queen to king through this country or in the history of this country it is an institution yeah. and i think even if you were let's say a um someone who was neither a a, a royalist yeah who believes in the monarchy or a republican uh, if you somewhere lied in the middle you you would still you know, commemorate this, uh, the passing of the Queen uh, with respect, you know, and, and you know, just recognize the mm-hmm. devotion that she has had 
uh, as an envoy for this country globally in her 70 years. Because if you think about it, 70 years, most people have retired by then, right? So it's not as if she can give up her job as queen. Yeah. Um, you know, you only there's only two occasions where you can actually give up your uh, constitute well your 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 position mm-hmm. as the monarch. One is by death, mm-hmm. and the other is by abdication. Yeah, and she was never ever going to abdicate, right? Yeah. So this was the only thing. It's it's her. It's a lifetime um, job, mm-hmm. so yeah. to speak, uh, for her. Yeah. But uh, to speak more regarding the queen, and more regarding death in terms of you know, how we perceive it, we're actually uh, we have the pleasure of being joined by uh, Imam Atul Majid Rashid, who is the Imam of Fazl Mosque in London. Assalamualaikum. Peace be upon you, uh, Imam uh, Rashid. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show. Waalaikum salam. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Yeah. My correct name is Ataul Mujib Rashid. Oh. <laughs> Apologies, uh, Imam uh, Atul right. Majid Rashid. Uh, thank yeah. you once again for joining us. And I should know that more than anything else, right? So I'll yeah. take that as a, a, a polite little kind of like clip around the ear (laughs) so you went uh to pay your respects to the late queen i mean why is it so important for you know us muslims to have good relations with those in authority well i think uh, in a way you have already answered uh, your own question Mm -hmm. that i did go there no doubt Uh, that was uh, basically to pay respect uh, and uh, you know just for that purpose and thanks as well. So I went there. It was uh, something very historical, this incident, and I think it will be remembered in the history of UK and the world for very, very long time, maybe forever. Such a big number of people go there, and we have seen today as well mm-hmm. and previous days. I mean, there are queues after queues mm-hmm. who want to go there so with, with the different intention. My purpose was that she was a very outstanding and very uh, historical personality, Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth, uh, who passed after 70 years of rule. And his rule is something which will be remembered in history Mm -hmm. as a a very uh, powerful reign and in which she looked after the uh, benefit and the, uh, uh, the benefit of all the people under uh, under her rule, mm-hmm. not only in Britain, but also in uh, this uh, um, uh, Commonwealth countries. Mm-hmm. So she is uh, just a you know, very outstanding personality in history. And uh, I just went there to see what is the feeling of the people and also to pay respect because we are also citizens of this country. Yeah. And she was a queen. So why not? I think anybody can go. So this was the main purpose. I went there and I learned quite a lot about her, about her dedication to his task, which he did. And also I could see with my eyes the feeling of the people mm-hmm. over there. I mean, people coming from all uh, nook and corner of the country. And they were, of course, uh, uh, they were not... Uh, uh, all of them in inside at one time, but I could see the people from foreign countries as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Men, women, young and old, everybody was so attached to the Queen. That is something which uh, really will be remembered in history for all times. 
The promised Messiah also lived during the reign of uh, Queen Victoria, and he also uh, praised her on various occasions. And for example, in his book, uh, A Gift to Queen, and, um, and other, um, other books as well. So could you explain what is the significance of this? Well, I think uh, during the lifetime of the promised Messiah, the founder of the community, it was in uh, uh, 1897. Perhaps. So at that time, uh, Queen was there, Queen Victoria, and uh, she was also a very outstanding queen for his uh, rationality, for his justice, for his kind, for mm-hmm. her kindness. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, you know, good in so many respects. So when she came to this uh, uh, Golden Jubilee in uh, 1897, mm-hmm. So the founder of the community thought it appropriate that I should also join to congratulate the Queen for her term of office and his services. And also he took the opportunity of writing a book, Tofai uh, Kassaria, right. which is a royal gift you know, for the Queen. Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, he appreciated the activities and the services of the Queen on one side, and also uh, he gave the message of Islam to the Queen right. and proposed that a huge conference can be arranged in London under her supervision where people can be invited from all over the country, all over the world, mm-hmm. and they can learn more and more about Islam. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, he made take away an occasion uh, for propagation of Islam that was the purpose of his advent. Right. So that is the historical thing which uh, happened. And actually, this was also like a symbol of gratitude mm-hmm. to the Queen, that Queen Victoria, because there is one hadith saying of the Holy Prophet that Man lam nasa lam mm-hmm. that the person who does not uh, show his gratefulness to uh, uh, human, human beings, he is also not grateful to God. Mm-hmm. In order to become grateful to God, one has to be grateful to the people. Right. So mm-hmm. whenever the founder of the community thought that this is the right occasion, so he not only thanked the queen for all what she did for her subject, but also gave the message of Islam to avail this opportunity. This was the background. Mm-hmm. Very well said there, Imam Saab. So um, for our listeners out there who are non-Muslims, um, and obviously the Queen is non-Muslim. She's the defender, or she was the defender of the faith, being uh, the Church of England. So, you know, can non-Muslims you know, enter heaven? Well, it's a very interesting question. Mm-hmm. The thing is that uh, heaven is uh, not in the disposal of any person here mm-hmm. to say yes or no. It is something exclusively belonging to God Almighty. Right. And it is God Almighty who is going to decide when a person passes away where he is going to go and uh, what is going to be the abode of that man or woman. That is entirely in the hand of God. It is not for us to even enter into this discussion whether that person is going to have heaven and hell, not like that. Nobody can say. But this is that... Uh, one can pray 
that uh, one can hope that uh, God Almighty will reward such people who are kind in good reward. And eventually the decision is not in the hand of any human being. It mm-hmm. is entirely, solely, and in the hand of God Almighty. Mm. So he is there to, you know, make a final decision about that. We cannot say. But uh, we know that uh, if the people are doing something very good during their lifetime, Allah Almighty is not going to forget their good works like charity or other things. Everyone will be rewarded by God Almighty. Mm-hmm. There is uh, one hadith which comes to my mind at the moment. Uh, Abdullah bin Salam was previously a, a Jew and then he became a Muslim. And one day he asked the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that uh, uh, um, uh, you, can you tell me that uh, I do not think that I have been doing anything but Allah Almighty has now enabled me to become to accept Islam and become a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So, and what about those good things which I have been doing before? Mm-hmm. So he mentioned particularly that uh, this was my habit that I used to feed the birds every day with some sort of a grain or rice or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Prophet is reported so, to have said Aslamta bima aslafta that you have been enabled to accept Islam because of that good works which you have been doing it. Right. So it is uh, one clue to this one. So I think the simple answer to this question is that we are not able, or we are not in a position to decide whether a person is going to hell or heaven. It's entirely in the hand of God. Okay. But all those people who do charitable work mm-hmm. and good deeds may be known to the people or not, mm-hmm. but Allah Almighty knows everything. So mm-hmm. He will deal with these people. Uh, maybe they are king, they are queens, mm-hmm. maybe some servant in mm-hmm. society or doing whatever. Allah Almighty will reward everyone for their good actions. And uh, this is what everyone should hope for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Imam Sa, um what are your hopes for the new king and uh, how should the nation support him? Uh, to whom? Say it again. Uh, what are your um, hopes for the new king, yeah, King, king Charles III? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And this how should the nation point. support him? Well, the thing is that... Uh, uh, I was very glad when I heard uh, the new king mm-hmm. say that uh, he is going to uh, follow the tradition of her late mother. Mm-hmm. And he said that I will do my best to continue the good work and I would like to fo- fo- follow the action line that was set forth by my late mother. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, he has all the intention. I, the king is a very intelligent person very daring person and he has the spirit of service to mankind mm-hmm. as it is mentioned that he was sponsoring so many charity organizations mm-hmm. which he will continue or maybe appoint somebody else to look after that. Mm-hmm. So he's there. So we are always uh, thinking that uh, he will be doing full justice and he will divide by strictly by the covenant or the promise that he made to the whole nation when he, he made his acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I think uh, we should have all the good hopes mm-hmm. he will be able to do, and we should also pray for the leaders, right. because uh, we should uh, 
as a subject of a nation, I think everybody has a duty, irrespective of the religion, that they should be loyal to the state, they should be loyal to the uh, authorities mm-hmm. in power, and try to uh, obey them, and also to pray for them, right. so that God Almighty may keep them on the right path. May mm-hmm. God Almighty enable them to serve the cause of the community and the cause of the country to the best of their ability. So everyone should be praying and hoping uh, by the grace of God that he is going to uphold the banner. Her late mother, very respected the queen, was always taking care of that. And that is why I think uh, I was uh, really moved. Mm-hmm. And even today when by seeing on television the funeral services in the church, I was moved with so many people mm-hmm. from so many places young and old, men and women, mm-hmm. and high dignitaries all over the world, they have come here. They are paying tribute to someone mm-hmm. that was really a very praiseworthy lady. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that was her example. And uh, her son, as I have just mentioned, he has already made a promise to the nation, to all the world, that he is going to uphold that uh, good example which her late mother before she passed away. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you very much for that, uh, Imam Abdul Majib Rashid. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time out uh, on this Monday to talk to us here at uh, the Drive Time Show. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very thank much. You. Peace be upon you. Have a good afternoon. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And um, we've actually, you know, uh, done some, uh, gone out on the streets just to uh, see what the reaction uh, has been uh, to the passing of the Queen uh, and the ceremony. Because, um, you know, I don't know if you saw it on TV mm-hmm. today, Imran. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it started, I think, about 10.44 when the Royal Gun Carriage oh, uh, transported the Queen's uh, coffin, her body, from Westminster Hall uh, to the Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so her, uh, I suppose the funeral started officially at 11 o'clock. And um, I think the rights uh, regarding uh, the funeral was that uh, her, uh, you know, all the flags uh, on the royal residences uh, were lowered or have been lowered to half mast. Mm-hmm. And uh, even here in our community, uh, uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, this weekend, we had an ishtima, a, a gathering for uh, the auxiliary organizations of uh, um, Ansarilla and Lajna, so the, the ladies' organization, uh, auxiliary organization. And even our flags uh, were lowered at half mast in respect for mm-hmm. Her Majesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the 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 actual the the ceremony the pomp and ceremony of the funeral uh involved uh you know uh, a gun salute uh the profession uh the procession of the coffin around all the royal residences mm-hmm. so um I saw that you know once the uh the the actual the hymns were read uh, the eulogies were read uh at Westminster Abbey her coffin was then taken on the uh, gun carriage and walked around Buckingham Palace and now I think it's going to go around all the uh, royal uh, uh, residences Mm -hmm. Um, so 
that it's an opportunity uh, for the public who are lining the streets to pay their final respects. And, you know, there are, a, I mean, you know, in terms of um, death, I mean, you know, what is the uh, Islamic take on death then? Is there, is there that finality mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we see in, say, Christianity? I mean, what, what you know, what does it say in, in terms of Islam about death or how we deal with death? Yeah, so um, as we mentioned, that uh, that can be an incredibly dif- uh, difficult reality to the, to deal with. Mm-hmm. No matter how much we uh, may able to prepare ourselves for for the end of the life of someone dear to us, the news is always uh, difficult to bear. So such rights makes the news easier to deal with and uh, give us time to digest the news, and uh, it validates our grief and helps us to channel. It in a way which uh, feels as though the life law still lives on in on in its own way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the rights basically um, are therefore to channel our grief and how we mm-hmm. you know uh, celebrate or how we commemorate uh, the person who is passed away. Mm. So, uh, like I was saying, we actually uh, went out on the streets to get some reaction. So here are some of the reactions that, uh, you know, us, the public, felt about the passing of Her Majesty. Personally, I don't think anything with regards to it. But then when you think of it, that to her family members, she was a normal human being. So from that aspect, yeah, you can, like, have sympathy for them. It was really upsetting, but again, with the king, I hope he's like really fair to everyone. I am really deeply upset about the queen's death, and I hope that the new king has in store amazing things for the country. It was really unexpected. I didn't really expect the queen dying this soon, but the new king, I hope he's amazing. I hope he makes his country more better and establishes new good things. I, I believe she was a true work who dedicated her whole life to, to serving our nation. And I think the, the way people have reacted to her death is a reflection that we recognise that in her. You know, we in ourselves, we saw the goodness in her because it calls out the goodness within each of us. So I think it is a, a really sad thing that we've experienced here in our country. Honestly, if anything, I'm happy that for her that she lived 96 great years and she had her part Jubilee, which has never been done before by any British monarch. of Islam Radio. Peace and blessings to our listeners out there. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show, or Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Imran Akram. So, 
you know, we're talking about uh, the remembrance, actually, and the celebration of uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's life, uh, today being her funeral. Now, you know, the concept uh, of... Um, it, well, let's not go to the concept first, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, how does uh, Islam deal with death? Now, in Islam, death is treated with great dignity. Uh, Muslims strive to bury the deceased as soon as possible after death, avoiding the need for embalming or otherwise disturbing the body of the deceased. Uh, a deceased Muslim is due utmost respect, and his body... Uh, is handled according to the sunnah, you know, the, 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 the actions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him. Uh, the body is given a ritual bath and wrapped in two sheets of cotton uh, before, before being put in a coffin. Uh, once it is prepared, the funeral service is held. The imam leads the funeral prayer, uh, also known as the janaza prayer, uh, with the mourners standing in rows behind him. The funeral prayer is similar in structure to the five daily prayers. Uh, with a few uh, slight variations. I mean, for example, uh, there's no uh, bowing or prostration, uh, and the entire prayer is said silently, but for a few words. Uh, the deceased is then taken to the cemetery for burial, uh, and then at the gravesite is uh, discouraged for people to uh, erect tombstones uh, or anything of more elaborate nature, uh, or even just to put uh, flowers or mementos. Rather, one should humbly remember Allah and his mercy and pray for the deceased. Um, in fact, cremation uh, within Islam is not permitted. So, you know, what is, um, in, in terms of Islam, uh, Imran, what is that concept of death in Islam? Of course, uh, uh, it's a big question and uh, that what happens when we die. So first of all, we have to understand that uh, life after death is very important. So when we look at this world, uh, it is known that out of millions of living species, only in relation to human beings, morality has been discussed. So every species except um, human acts according to his instinct and cannot go against it. So if a lion kills, he does it according to his instinct. And his, and this instinct tells him to stop killing when he's fed. And after that, you know, uh, a goat or any kind of uh, animal can play with him as long as he's not hungry. So they kill purposely. And in the same way, the goat eats grass and cannot go out of this circle. So... So neither the lion is responsible for its behavior, if you call this behavior bad, nor the goat is responsible for uh, its behavior, if you consider it good. Because they cannot go out of the natural instinct which is given to them by nature or according to Islam created um, in them by God Almighty. But it is not such a thing in relation to humans, in relation to man. He has uh, been given the right to choose between good and bad actions or do good or do bad thing or uh, go astray to uh, go go astray to the right path and uh, and uh, that is why man is responsible for his good and bad deeds in his in in the life uh, after death and the fact that man has been given this power compels us to believe that there is a life after that 
And uh, if we do not accept this, then the purpose of life and this universe dies. So those who believe in God have to believe that there is some kind of life after that, so that man is hand- held responsible for what he's done to himself and to others. And uh, so now question raises, what is the, uh, what is the nature of that life? Mm-hmm. So the, li- the nature of that life is not um, physical, because man is always changing. And first he is a child, then he becomes a young person, mm-hmm. and finally he becomes an old man. So which body will be raised? So that of a child or that of an old man who suffer from various diseases. So according to Islam, life after death is not physical, and the life after death begins in this very life. So for example, if a person is a liar, then you will know him, if not immediately, maybe some time after. But you know him that he is a liar through his actions and through his um, language, body language. And similarly, if a person is honest, then you know him that he's an honest person. So according to the Holy Quran, we are the ones who create our hell and heaven in this life. So actually, um, uh, there's a verse in the Holy Quran which says, وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَانِ That for any who fears to stand before his Lord are two paradise. So we create our paradise uh, within this world and that uh, and that and when we're going to die that uh, paradise becomes physical to us becomes more clear and more visual to us that's mm. the point uh, which islam tells us mm-hmm. uh, life after death yes mm. so that life after death isn't you know there is no physicality to it mm. it's not material mm. and that therefore actually the time that we spend on earth and say, for instance, in a queen's mm-hmm. uh, time was 96 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, that is but a, I suppose, a kind of like a, a, a speck right. because your eternal life, your soul goes on. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, you know, in eternity. Yeah. You know. And I, although it is quite a, um, in well, it's an old kind of uh, theory mm-hmm. and philosophy that actually you know you do good, you go to heaven, yeah. and you know being in heaven for eternity mm-hmm. uh, is not a bad thing, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so it's in in terms of Islam, and um, we as Muslims believe that actually our time on this earth, and we do, we, you know, uh, it's even in the Quran it says we experience heaven and hell mm-hmm. in this life yeah. Yeah. and why one would think why do you if if say for instance ultimately upon your death you mm-hmm. either are judged upon your transgressions your sins in this life and the good deeds you've done mm-hmm. in this life mm-hmm. and they're weighed up upon you mm-hmm. uh, and god judges you then and then assigns you whether to go to hell or go to heaven mm-hmm. why then would you have to experience heaven and hell on this earth and it's a quandary right yeah yeah it's like but look if you're going to finish this life and then Mm -hmm. go to heaven or hell Mm -hmm. why would you then still experience heaven or hell Mm -hmm. in this earth right in your material life Mm 
and um, I mean we can, we can go on further <laughs> after yeah because mm-hmm. in fact actually we're coming up to the uh, five o'clock news mm-hmm. and I want to carry on this discre- uh, this bit of a discussion regarding sure. this concept of uh, heaven and hell actually in this life with Imran uh, because he can give me the full theological side of it right uh, in that explanation but um, we're just coming up to uh, the five o'clock news please join us after the five o'clock news where we'll be further eulogizing the uh, and in remembrance of the life of her majesty queen elizabeth ii you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed peace and blessings to our listeners out there welcome back to the drive time show or monday's edition of the drive time show you're here live with myself uh, talib man imam uh, imran akram and our uh, super co-host, Koum <laughs> Rashid, uh, who's dropped in amongst us because you know, he felt that draw to add his, uh, shall it, we say, weight, his presence it, to it, the discussion. It was your magnetism. No, no, I don't think so, right? Uh, I don't think so. I've, I've got, I've got, uh, I have got deodorant on so, for all those hours. Anyway, let's, let's not uh, distract, right? Yes. Because today is a solemn day, a day of remembrance, a day of... I would actually want to push to celebration uh, and celebration in, in the sense of, the you know, the Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, her reign, her lifetime, the achievements that uh, because it's it's not a, a small thing to have reigned over um, a country for 70 years. Longest reigning monarch. Right. Uh, uh, given her 70 years at the age of 96. And, um, you know, what are your views on that, Koyom? Uh, Look, I think one thing that a lot of people miss out is she showed a lot of patience. One thing people forget, she was, as you so rightly said, a monarch for 70 years, a monarch who uh, has a kind of approved 15 prime ministers, Mm-hmm. Yet, for 70 years, she has stayed quiet about her political views, mm-hmm. about her personal feelings. People well, you're not supposed to, are you? Because well, no. she's she's actually given or abdicated, <laughs> funny word, but abdicated her power, uh, her constitutional power to her first ministers. Agreed. Right. But people can't stay quiet by giving their opinion for 70 seconds. Mm-hmm. For 70 years, mm-hmm. she has, and, and that's it's an amazing um, show of patience. But on that point, right, yeah, yeah I, I take where you're going. I actually saw um, on a lot of Twitter feeds, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, the Queen in the late 80s, uh, or sorry, late 70s, 80s, when Edward Heath was still around, mm-hmm. Margaret Thatcher was still around. And she was actually having a cocktail party for heads of state. So you had France, uh, you had Mitterrand there, right? Mm-hmm. And she broke out into um, Helmut Kohl, right? The so me German and Kuyun yeah. would know these people, right? Yeah. I mean, Imran's like looking at us like, who's he talking about? <laughs> but uh, What's going on? <laughs> so these, these are, you know, the former chancellor uh, of Germany, mm-hmm. former uh, president of France, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Margaret Thatcher. And the Queen broke out into... Perfect French, yep. mm-hmm. speaking to uh, François Mitterrand. And Edward Heath kind of like 
I don't know, he was talking about something or another. And the Queen kind of like said, but you're, you know, to her Prime Minister, but you're expendable. Mm-hmm. In the sense, and she, you know, that was a joke, right? You know, meaning, you know, at the end of the day, you're still my minister. Yes. And I can get rid of you, right? <laughs> but, you know, this showed, that, and I think when I saw this the first time, and I saw it, I watched it again. Uh, to fully understand, yeah, you know, the, the kind of the nuances that were behind that, because you know you got to, you know, remember Imran, right? This mm-hmm. is the Queen, and these are presidents. So these right. are the guys that we don't normally, you know, knock around with. We don't normally see, right? Mm-hmm. These people are people who actually make the rules, right, for a country, mm-hmm. who lead a country. So whatever they say amongst themselves, there must be, even if it were a joke. Mm-hmm. There must be some, I wouldn't say ulterior motive, but there must be some motivation behind it, even if it was. So I kind of like being my uh, conspiracy theory type of self thought, actually, maybe that's the uh, the way uh, of she's, the Queen. She's bringing him in line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Putting down Edward Heath. And, mm-hmm. you know, Edward Heath was quite a politician, that's right. quite mm-hmm. an outspoken politician at the time. But uh, I don't know. Did you have you seen that? Uh, no, no. I, I know. What the, I know the incident you're referring to, mm-hmm. and, and and those are one of the challenges that she did. She she faced and successfully faced. Of, I mean, when she became queen, everything was through a phone call or through a letter. You find out the next day mm-hmm. to the day where her death was announced on Twitter. I know. So if you look at. Actually, you know, funny you should say that because even in the ceremony, uh, uh, my wife was like saying, "Who are these guys in these, you know, in these tunics? These really bright tunics." Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, okay, they, they're the heralds." So, in the day before or the years before, we had telecommunication, we had newspapers. Right. If you had the death of a king or you had the death of a monarch, mm-hmm. these heralds would actually physically go to everywhere, mm-hmm. right, the length of the country, and actually announce it. You know. The death, you know, uh, the queen has died. Long live the king! Mm-hmm. And that would be the only way. And you would see because their their um, their costumes. You, I shouldn't say the costumes. The garters they were yeah, wearing. Yeah, yeah, that they are of the royal crest. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you would see and you would believe what they're saying because they are actually agents of uh, her Majesty or agents of the crown. And you know, the heralds would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this is what I mean. It's it's almost. And I think in our talk with Noreen initially, it feels like the passing of an era now. It is. 96 years is a long mm. time. And, you know, uh, I think our next guest would, would be able to, um, to to shed some more uh, substantive light um, mm. on this topic. Uh, because well, our we're next trying guest, to get him. Our next guest uh, yeah. is, uh, you know, yes. has had the well, pleasure of meeting the exactly. people. We've got, uh, we've got the pleasure of having Sir Iftikhar uh, Ahmed Ayaz, who is the honorary consular official for Tuvalu, which is a island in Oceania. Uh, he has received almost 40 awards from different organizations of the world, including he is a uh, officer of the uh, Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, an OBE and a KBE uh, from Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you, Sir uh, How are you? Always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, it's my honor and my privilege and pleasure. Mm. Thank you very much for having me 
on your program. No, no, it's always a pleasure having you on the Drive Time show. So can you uh, describe, because you were uh, able to attend the funeral, I mean, you know, can you describe the emotion that you felt uh, and actually witnessed uh, in Westminster today? Well, you see, this was uh, the last farewell service um, or uh, Her Majesty was held in Westminster Abbey uh, this morning. And I can tell you it was deeply touching. You know, during these last uh, 10 days uh, since her uh, demise, mm-hmm. we have seen unprecedented expression of grief from mass of people. And I also had the opportunity give time, you know, as a volunteer, as a marshal uh, for the visitors uh, to say farewell her coffin, to respect her coffin and greet her coffin. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, you know, people waiting in queues, not only young people, old people as well, <clears throat> not bothered about chill or rain or whatever the weather is or whatever the time is. So this was a really uh, a, a spectacle of grief and sorrow, which at least I can say I had never seen in my life. Mm-hmm. So even uh, um, in the Westminster Abbey itself, uh, uh, the service, atmosphere was very sober. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I I could see actually some women actually wiping their tears. And um, this has not been only gay, but this has been seen, you know, off and on uh, in various places. So the grief and the uh, sorrow of the people is undescribable. There are no words, you know, one can really uh, describe actual feelings at the heart of people. But the thing is, in today's service, it was not only the British people. There were representatives, royals, presidents, kings, dignitaries, you know, and all sorts of people from all over the world. All over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there have been very popular leaders like J.F. Kennedy, like Mandela, you know, and and several others. And most recently, we've also seen the funeral of Prince Philip. Hmm. But there has been nothing like this that we have seen during these 10 days. And especially today, as you must have seen as well on the screen, tactical with which she was... uh, farewell, you know, mm-hmm. by uh, her uh, uh, royal family, by the army, by the navy, uh, by all the services of this country, and by the public, is, uh, is uh, such a, a, a spectacle, such an experience, uh, which really just uh, shatters you with sorrow. Mm. So, so Iftikhar, you've had the honour to be, uh, you know, to be in the Queen's presence at least three times. 
So, you know, in your opinion, why um, has there been... I mean, I can understand this outpouring of sorrow um, from the country itself domestically. But, you know, globally, you know, we are a constitutional monarchy here. The monarchy has not been elected. It has been passed down through generation upon generation. So, you know, in your opinion, why is it that the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, has commanded, even in her death, such, I suppose, adoration and um, admiration from uh, world leaders uh, and dignitaries like you say? Well, you see, she actually she inherited an empire. Mm -hmm. But the empire was converted into the Commonwealth, mm -hmm. the Commonwealth of Nations. And there was uh, quite a contrast in the attitude of the royals, you know, in this uh, changeover from the empire to the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth became a family of love, affection, care, etc. And this was the beauty of the Queen. Right from the start, 1952, just years after the end of the World War, and this country was still you know, suffering from the after effects of the World War, and she became a queen. We're still on ration cards here in this country, you know, and there were lots of problems, etc. But she, right from the beginning, understood the importance the import of mm -hmm. affectionate relationship mm -hmm. with the people. And I think this was her, her, her beauty. And right from the beginning, she was very conscious of her duty. Mm -hmm. And she was a selfless and self-sacrificing person. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in her own dignity, she was a very simple person. You mentioned I've met her three times. I've met her a few times in investitures, and I've met her a few times, uh, other times as well, when mm -hmm. we had the talk one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. And once I had a breakfast with her as well. So those are my personal observations and experiences. But the whole world would, would agree and would say, particularly the people of the Commonwealth, that she was really a friend of everyone. Mm -hmm. when, 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 when you were with her, when she was with people, she never felt she was a queen. Mm -hmm. Never felt she was a royal. She never felt she was a sort of superhuman being, you know, or anything. Mm -hmm. Always felt very much down to earth. Mm -hmm. And you know, she had this beautiful capability of being able to talk to people at every level. And I have seen her, she was very fond of young people and children particularly. Whenever mm -hmm. there was a crowd to greet her, she would just rush to where the children were and shake hands with them and give them smiles. Smile was her, her uh, I think, uh, magic wand. Mm -hmm. She always had a smile for everyone. Mm -hmm. That smile was very, very effective, very charming. So the basic thing is that she was a person 
who was basically humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Her nature was humanitarian. She loved humanity. She loved human beings. She cared for human beings. And that is why, you know, the Commonwealth countries, and you know, most of the Commonwealth countries are poor countries. Some are least developed countries. They need a lot of sympathy. They need a lot of support. They need a lot of comforting touch and comforting words, you know. And that is all the Queen was always prepared to give them. Mm-hmm. And that kept the Commonwealth together mm. as a bond, as a family. Commonwealth had so many threatening uh, um, cases when people thought that this is the end of the Commonwealth. And even today, you know, when she's gone, people are very unsure what will happen to the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Because nobody expects that sort of warmth. Nobody expects that sort of sympathy. Nobody expects that sort of friend, you know, from, from uh, anyone besides her. Or God knows what will happen. But what I'm saying is she had that wonderful 70 years reign. Mm-hmm. She also confronted lots of threats, you know, there were threats to her life. And you know, back in the 80s, um, a guy, Michael Fagan, I think that was his name, mm-hmm. he entered into her bedroom. Mm, yeah, and uh, private chambers. You, you remember yes, that? Yes, he climbed in. And you know, what is amazing is, if it, if it had been some other woman, she would have started screaming. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the Queen actually engaged him in a conversation. That's what I'm saying. She mm. remained so calm, you know, mm-hmm. amazingly, amazingly. I think it, even if it was uh, uh, a male, he would have just shouted. You well, know, your, and, <laughs> your natural reaction is to, yeah, you've got a burglar climbing through your window. Yeah. You're, you're not going to welcome them and be, you know, just have a conversation with them. It's not. You know, and, you it know, wouldn't be your natural reaction. Was, he was on her emergency button. Mm. Help. She engaged him in very calm conversation, you know. So what I'm saying is, those are reflections on those attributes and special uh, uh, capabilities which God Almighty had endowed her with, you know. And that is uh, one of the reasons why she's been uh, so successful a, a queen and so successful a human being. And that is why, today, you know, it is not only this country or this nation, and it is not only the Commonwealth, because she was a very comforting and she was a very calming influence in the world itself. Mm-hmm. The, the world leaders also looked upon her, you know, uh, for uh, uh, their um, comfort and calm during the difficult times. Whether it is the president of America or whether it is uh, the prime minister of France or whether, uh, you know, it is uh, the leaders of Africa or the Caribbean or the Pacific, they are all so much, you know, uh, attached to her and so much grateful, you know, for her services that everyone looked so deeply grieved. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were... uh, uh, passing by her coffin, uh, giving it uh, the respect truly really deserved. 
and everybody who talked about her talked in such uh, high um, sentimental uh, words, you know, which you can uh, not expect uh, uh, of anyone saying about anybody else. Even as I said earlier on, you know, some of the great leaders mm-hmm. of uh, the world, even, you know, here in this country, uh, Winston Churchill mm-hmm. was very highly regarded by the nation. And he was given a state funeral here, which was uh, which is said to be a funeral of its own, you know, mm-hmm. very, very highly uh, respected and very highly regarded. But even those people, uh, I mean, you know, nobody could match anything like her funeral with anybody else's funeral. And, and you know, this was uh, only a second funeral of a queen after Queen Victoria. Yeah. And that's almost 120 years ago. Mm-hmm. See, so they had this funeral, but obviously this funeral brings an end to the Elizabethan era as well, you know. Uh, the future going to have uh, uh, Williams and Georges and Charleses, etc., etc. But uh, uh, certainly, certainly, I think what she's been given and how she's been treated um, at the end of her life, she truly deserved it, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, really. I think, I think her, her time of service and the level um, of her service, uh, not just to this country, but uh, to the world at large, yeah. Uh, has you know uh, demanded that uh, the the nation mourns for her and that her funeral be of this magnitude. Uh, but uh, Sir Iftikhar uh, Ahmadiyaz, thank you for joining us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show and sharing your thoughts uh, and um, experiences with Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank have you for having day. me. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. So, um, in that kind of like conversation, I suppose, with uh, Sir Iftikhar, uh, what I was reminded of was actually a letter that President Macron uh, had written. Um, and not, uh, I, I suppose, you know, not perfect uh, English grammar because I suppose English is not his first language, mm-hmm. but just showed... Um, if I can remember parts of it, the the absolute you know affection that you know world leaders, even the current crop of world leaders, um, had for Her Majesty, and as you know, uh, I was listening to uh, Sir Iftikhar talking about his experiences with the Queen. This expression came to my mind, uh, which is noblesse oblige. So I'm not sure if we know about... Okay, I'm, I'm being greeted by kind of raised eyebrows as to, <laughs> Talib, what are you talking about? <laughs> but no, noblesse oblige means the obligation of nobility. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just that, although you know, I've never met the Queen, uh, I've got a, I've ha- I had a teddy bear and a, and a birthday card of her, but uh, I've never f- you know, physically met the Queen. But it's that... I suppose, aura that she always had of being nobility, but actually, I think, as uh, Sir Iftikhar was like saying, being approachable, though. Yeah, most, most definitely. You see, 
I mean, in in her in his condolence messages, he talked about how um, the late Queen has visited France the most, mm-hmm. and how she loved France, and France loved her, and she loved Dubonnet, apparently. Yep. Well, she did. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yes. The country's run out of Dubonnet, but, uh. but but if you look at the love and the affection that the Germans had for her in the mm-hmm. German dictionary, mm-hmm. they created a new word. Okay. In the German dictionary, there's the word queen, mm-hmm. and it defines what a queen is. Mm-hmm. And in the and then there is the queen, and it says Queen Elizabeth II. Oh, wow. She was the queen. When mm-hmm. people talk of the queen, automatically, it is Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. But do you think, guys, right, that um, no disrespect, obviously, you know, we are sitting here and we're presenting this show today in remembrance and celebration of the Queen Elizabeth II's life. But do you think that is, you know, this celebration, uh, and like you are saying, Kumia, that, you know, there's a different uh, German translation of the Queen, and it's actually, you know, a picture most probably of Queen Elizabeth Mm -hmm. II next to it. Is it just because she's old, Mm -hmm. right? No. And uh, it's the length of service that she's had. Um, and, you know, you'll recognize, oh, actually, you know what, is a good innings. No, because... I'm being a bit been, of a devil's advocate. Well, no, look, there's know. been monarchs around the world. Mm-hmm. There's been people... This wasn't just about the queen, the, 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 the position. Mm-hmm. It was about the queen, the person, Queen Elizabeth, how she, as a human being, who's maybe take the queen away... But as a, a person itself, herself, she made a difference with so many people. Mm-hmm. She did. She built bridges. Mm-hmm. Politicians generally, when we talk about burn them, they burn bridges. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, if you look at the Queen, she forever in her service has gone out and and built bridges and has been an ambassador for for peace. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they have. She has always done, and 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 King Charles has always done, and all the royal family, um, w- within their respected positions, have gone out and tried to be the best of what British is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they branded and 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 Britishness successfully. Mm. I mean, look, the Americans loved the Queen mm-hmm. because at one time, I mean, America was British. They mm. they fought them for their independence, mm. yet they still love mm. Traitors, the Queen, the Americans. <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know. People talk of uh, the past. India was uh, part of, uh, I think, until nineteen forty nine. Mm. Even though uh, independence came in forty seven, Pakistan in nineteen fifty six it stopped becoming part of. Until mm. nineteen fifty six, even Pakistan was part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It was after nineteen fifty six that. The, the the true independence and they switched on to as in the commonwealth countries mm-hmm. but even from a commonwealth perspective there was only eight countries which were part of the commonwealth today it's 53 mm-hmm. that progression came because of her mm-hmm. and it is progression today there are countries who want to become part of the commonwealth mm. Be- so do you think um, I'll put it out there that the monarchy is now in a safe pair of hands uh, under the auspices of Charles III? I think he's already made improvements. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the radio, even you guys talked about it, you in fact talked about him being defender of the, the faith. No, but that's, that's, that's part of the constitution. It right? is. <laughs> he said, 
he he said defender of faiths ah. mm-hmm. because because it represents today yes at that time there was only one faith today mm-hmm. he is king of people who yeah. belong to different faiths he represents True. that look as a muslim what a lot of people don't realize in 2013 uh, king charles learned arabic because he wanted to read the quran Yeah. Mm. I heard that she, uh, he uh, learned Arabic for six months. And That's right. Yeah. Because he wanted to read the Quran. Yeah. He has been the president of the Oxford Islamic uh, Society since 1993. Mm-hmm. His knowledge of uh, the, the Holy Quran and Islam is a lot deeper. Not just Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. Mm. He has been a very uh, strong opponent to the narrative of Islam against the West. Mm-hmm. He's actually said he he's completely rejected this notion. Mm-hmm. And he has talked about how these faiths are part of uh the success of Europe today. Mm-hmm. He talked about Islam as in Islam is part of our past and present mm-hmm. and has been a has been the Europe's uh, Europe's success today is because what Islam delivered mm-hmm. in in the, the Islamic renaissance we've talked about it so many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has been very vocal, and but I'm going to chuck a spanner in there. Go on, go for it. We're not part of Europe. Well, well, actually, <laughs> we are because geographically we cannot be out of Europe. Okay, this notion of be part of Europe that we're not part of, but we're not part of Europe. But we are <laughs> geographically as a as a, as a European but continent, not, but not economically. Yes, and not politically. But, but then, okay, yes, agreed. we can we can discuss this on the on the show on Brexit next time but <laughs> but but there's but, no 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 the, to my understanding yeah Brexit is done done with and uh, no no there's no, nothing wrong with Brexit i think there is i will always say there is oh uh, Okay. But again, we're not going to go on to this topic. <laughs> you know, I'm fishing there. I'm fishing there. I'm fishing there. But, but what not, I'm saying he's is he's not biting. Look, um uh in respect of of king charles look mm. the princess trust i've i've had the uh, the pleasure of meeting king charles mm. um, back 20 years ago because i used to work for an organization that used to be part and parcel who used to take advantage of the princess trust okay. where young people who wanted to who came from deprived uh, backgrounds mm-hmm. um, didn't have access to a lot of provisions and they were sponsored okay. by the princess trust to go into the construction industry. Mm-hmm. The queen and the ki- and the king and today's king or prince charles at that time they used to physically come and meet every single individual wow. not to the managers not to the CEOs of these mm-hmm. of the company no they wanted to meet the individuals and mm-hmm. talk to them on a one to one basis. Okay. Which again the 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 mainstream media never used to pick up because it wasn't news. Mm-hmm. But I think it goes to that point of um like I said you know noblesse oblige but our, I suppose um perception of nobility perception of monarchy would be that actually they're a bit out of reach yeah but they, but, they're uh, not really you know that you know that's the king that's the queen right yeah. they're out of reach but actually in terms of our queen queen elizabeth ii and uh king charles iii now I think that's uh that thing of humility as well. Actually knowing that you know I am what I am through birthright. Mm. But actually there's a bigger there's a bigger um agenda out there of which I can 
be a benefit to? There is a responsibility that comes with that title, and that responsibility needs to be fulfilled. And Queen was patron of thousands of charities, yeah. not just on paper. Mm-hmm. She knew which charity she was a patron yeah. of, and she was actively involved in the activities of these charities mm-hmm. and was aware of them. And again, with, with with King Charles, it wasn't a question of like you see on the paper, on, on sometimes on TV. It was a, it was like a a, a quick handshake and you move on. Yeah. Prince Charles used to, or King Charles used to, spend time standing and finding out what you have learned. Has the trust been of benefit to you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know how. What is your future plan? Mm-hmm. And he used to talk to the individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose because that's our experience in this country of the monarchy. I, I, I you know, I can't speak to um, if that would happen in other uh, countries. Like, you know, I, I believe Spain still has a monarchy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, Denmark, they have a monarchy, and I'm sure you know those inhabitants do have a affinity and a loyalty to their their heads of state, their their their, uh, their monarchs, so to speak, but. I think that is the thing that has made everyone take pause upon the passing of Queen Queen Elizabeth II is that although she wasn't physically um related to any of us right unless you happen to be of <laughs> royal lineage right but in a sense she kind of embodies all those grandmothers those mothers that we have and have lost ourselves and with that we have that sympathy we have that uh, that bond and that feeling of loss but also that feeling like i want to push it the way of celebration and in thinking that actually you know what even in that passing and that grief and that sorrow there is you know that light that hope and i think even um and I think it came out in the conversation earlier on with Noreen that uh, I remember her speech to the country, to the nation, um, whilst we were in lockdown in COVID. And the strength that she imparted in her words, that reassurance. Those was, last words. Yeah, were, were just so much more than anything I had heard previously or uh, after by any politician because she had that stability she had that weight of presence and that belief you just believed in what she said when she said we will meet again yeah words of Dame Vera Lynn yeah exactly yeah. those words I know so many people it broke people down but it built people up as well mm-hmm. it was like yes it gave confidence to a lot of people and again, look, people forget she wasn't in line. She wasn't supposed to be the queen. Yeah. yeah. And she's, she, she was the first royal to join the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Mm. She, was, she worked on ambulances and, 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 uh, and, and full time. Yeah. Mm. It was only because of the abdication that she became in line. Of, and so if you look at her life as a as service, mm-hmm. she was doing that before she was in line to be the queen. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we, we talked about uh, the uh, she built the bridges between the yes. nation and look towards the uh, um, example of Ireland. That's right. I mean, um, we have bloody p- a past with mm-hmm. the island and she went there and she converted their soldiers. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, although her cousins were also died mm. uh, in that war but uh, still she mm. uh, made those bridges between the nations yeah. she looked forward yeah. mm. I, i think uh, that's a fitting note we've got our next uh guest of the day uh, we have Umar Nasser who is a junior doctor and member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association Assalamu alaikum peace and blessings be upon you Umar thank you for joining us on the drive time show today so you know um, we're talking about uh, the life and times of uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II and you know uh, in her remembrance but Can you tell us more about the Queen's Memorial event which was held by uh, the 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 community in Royal Leamington Spa? Yeah, um so the community we held an uh, in her honor uh, commemoration uh, in which we had an exhibition about her. We also had marching from a young child uh, doing a poem of Queen Elizabeth and an older gentleman talking about how his father met Queen Elizabeth and their experiences there. Uh, and then a, a smaller speech from the imam. So it was one that was done uh, in recognition of her service with the hope that by recounting this kind of example we can also inspire the rest of us to um serve our nations and our communities like uh like the queen. Oh okay. So um what we're going to do is as uh, yeah so that's that's you know, good to hear regarding that. So in recent years you know many people actually have criticized the monarchy as an institution you know it's been constitutional we haven't voted for it and have debated the need for it within actually you know modern democracy you know is there any need for it anymore i mean despite individual political views you know, i mean do muslims owe their loyalty uh, and respect or respect i should say to a monarch which they don't personally support um i mean i think if you don't support something i guess it can be difficult to have that much respect for it in a way but the question of monarchy versus democracy is not really that relevant because we have a we have a, a monarchy and a democracy the monarchy doesn't play a role in parliamentary decisions so mm-hmm. i'm not sure that they're directly linked in that regardless well, well, of that well if if the, we were to look at the state of politics of the world today we should be thanking yeah. god that we have we have the monarchy who can mm. still maybe set some standards in respect of of uh, of of how things should be done whether you agree with it or not <laughs> open question who would run the country better people have their views but the uh, from an islamic perspective you know the holy prophet sallallahu was once asked who are the most honorable in society and um he said that those who are honorable before islam are honorable after islam i.e. that those who uh, are respected by people and have the love and the respect and the adoration of of, of the society are in they should also be respected by us so that sets an example for us in addition the holy prophet also said that love of your nation is part of your faith mm-hmm. um and we see to love you can't really love your nation without kind of loving the kind of uh, or having a, a deep respect for the uh, embodiment of that nation and it's uh, royalty especially british royalty which has uh, embodied so many of the really good values of british culture and has actually avoided many you know negative aspects they've always been very open they've been always been very quite, quite diverse always been supporting uh, diversity and religious tolerance and uh, you know in actually kind of a bit above and beyond in some respects so i mean i think i think you have to uh, you have to really respect that and cherish that um, as a as a british person that would be my personal view and i, I think that's uh, reflected in in the wider approach of the ethnic muslim community as well. Hmm. 
Um, I mean, Umar, uh, many people see the monarchy as a lasting representation to colonialism, which was a difficult time for many uh, countries. Despite so what, the, sorry? Uh, colonialism. Colonialism, yeah. Which was a very difficult time for many uh, countries, despite the monarchy and having changed drastically over the years. Do you believe that current monarchies still have any responsibility to make amends? Well, I mean, in terms of the institutions really responsible for colonialism, there's more parliament than the monarchy. Uh, the monarchy was more uh, directly related to the kind of culture that they promoted. Obviously, the further back you go, the more intertwined they are. But, I mean, if you're going to ask reparation of someone, I think, and you're going to say, well, that someone living has to pay for people in the past, mm-hmm. then I think you're better better off looking at Parliament rather than royalty. Um, so I, I don't think they have a, personally, I don't have a direct responsibility on the individuals. However, however, it's certainly a good thing if they um, can promote uh, good things and they can help to stimulate development in countries that were once colonized by Britain mm-hmm. and through, through promoting genuine economic improvements there and directing British efforts towards that, I think that'd be the most welcome thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know to what extent they do that, maybe they do, maybe they don't, I don't know. Um, but there's nothing wrong with them, it's a very positive thing if they're able to direct British interests towards genuinely developing uh, poorer nations. At the moment, I think we often have a uh, fake development ethos that um, uh, the uh, the policymakers in in the West uh, use, and including in Britain. So if they can if they can point it towards genuine development, then that'll be a very positive thing, certainly. Mm. Mm-hmm. So also, I mean, what do you think about uh, King Charles III's plans to slim down uh, to modernise the monarchy and slim it down by only allowing working royals uh, to carry? Uh, HRH, uh, her or his Royal Highness titles. I mean, do you think that's just, um, you know, just a lot of just hot, hot air? I mean, what does it really mean? Does that having the HRH carry with it an economic, um, I suppose, uh, a price tag to it? I mean, is dropping that going to make it any different? Uh, I don't really know, so I'm not really... Uh to say with these kinds of things and uh, I don't know the economic impact uh, or the way it really works now so I'm afraid I can't give you an informed I, opinion I, I, I don't want to misinform your, mm. your, your listeners <laughs> I, I think he's giving a, a, an air of practicality to these titles before it was like if you're born into mm. royalty you automatically get HRH but you are not doing anything for that title right. or for the Queen and now mm. he's saying well we live in a day and age where if you have uh, if you've got a uh, title yeah. there's a responsibility that comes with it mm. so if you don't want that responsibility then you're not going to get a title with it i mean mm-hmm. I, I think people read too much sometimes into things on one side they talk about how how old fashioned the monarchy is and then when the monarchy does do something to kind of move forward mm-hmm. um they get criticized for it oh, oh that they should not have done this mm-hmm. so it's like it's like they can't do right or you're stuck, it's like the devil in the uh, blue sea, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Whatever you do, you're going to be yeah, uh, criticised for. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a plausible interpretation. I think, um, but there's also a, a note of caution there, which is the criticism that things are old-fashioned. Just because they're old-fashioned doesn't mean it's worse. You know, yeah, Islam, right. in many respects, is old-fashioned. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't say it's worse. Maybe one needs to be more old-fashioned in certain respects. And if you can, you know, people often have this idea that we're, if we're moving forward in time, we're progressing. But no, we can be regressing in terms of what we should be like. 
so there's nothing wrong with being old-fashioned if being old-fashioned is, is the correct way to live the, the question is what is the correct way to live what is the correct way for us to live as individuals and also societies that's what we need to figure out and then work towards whether we've replicated it in the past or not Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very true. Well, Umar, thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, on the Drive Time Show this afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank Lovely. you. Have a good day. Peace be on you. 0208-687-7878 or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And just picking up, um, I think, a point that Umar just said there, just because it's old-fashioned doesn't... Uh, and I'm thinking because, you know, we've got two dinosaurs here in, in, in the... Uh, a prehistoric age, <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't have a problem. Uh, my scenic <laughs> era, right? Um, but actually, you know, really, realistically speaking, just because it's old-fashioned doesn't mean that you should kick it out. Of right? course not. Um, and uh, what comes to my mind is uh, just say, for instance, with a national curriculum, you know, how to teach division. You know, in, in mathematics, they call it by uh, the bus stop method. They call it by whatever method. But actually, it's still long division. So you know, you can't you know, you know, you can't rebuild. Uh, I, I can't remember that expression is not coming to my mind. But you know, reinvent the wheel because the wheel is not a bad thing, right? You can make it more efficient, but you can't reinvent it. Yeah. Plus, you know, when ev- every time. Politically speaking, from a societal point of view, everybody talks about. Everybody doesn't like to acknowledge that uh, the old ways were good, mm-hmm. so they 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 always rephrase it back to basics. Mm. Back yeah, to exactly. Basics. Back, back to basics, exactly. <laughs> but um, we're we're actually out. Uh, we sent our roving reporters out there just to kind of pick up some uh, public views as to you know what their hopes are for uh, King Charles the Third. I'm just going to quickly pay, play you some audio now. Okay, we're going to come back to that technicalities. Audio is not playing, so we're going to come back to that. But you know, going back to the idea of um, you know back to basics, right? And it's true, you know, when we look as regards to, um, you know, the monarchy and how it's going to move forward, can it survive in the 21st century? I mean, what's your opinion? Well, I think, I think without a doubt it can, and I think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because the modern monarchy, if one was to look at, um, we've got King Charles, we've got Prince William, Prince George, um, they they are kind of changing and adapting and being more in touch with the people um, and trends and society. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're more accessible. Mm-hmm. Accessibility, you, you talked about, you know, um, uh, royalty in a sense where some people talk about it, how they are not reachable. Yeah, exactly. But now they're, they're accessible. They're at mm-hmm. hand. They're actually going out and meeting the people. I mean, mm. Prince William was selling, was caught selling um, the big issue. He, right, okay. he, he, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to come out with something else. <laughs> no, right. no, the big issue. He, he went undercover. <laughs> yeah. He was going out there. People, did, in fact, people. Some people thought, "Oh, it's a lookalike." Mm-hmm. But it was actually Prince William who those went candid out. Camera in, moments. In, in, you know, he had the big issue jacket on, mm. cap on. Of course, mm-hmm. look, the security will be there, and and they, mm. you can't see it. However. To the general public, he was out there talking to people, engaging with people, finding out what 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 they're going through, 
And what better way to do it than selling and promoting a magazine that fights for the rights for the homeless? Mm, exactly. But what I'm going to cut in there, we've uh, rectified our technical issues. So we're going to go out. Uh, like I said, we had some, we, or we have some audio clips as to what our hopes or what the public's hopes are uh, for, you know, the uh, new king, King Charles III. That you thought wrong, didn't you? Yes, I certainly did. And that's become a big fat egg on my face. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to thank our technicians this time around when I end the show. I'm going to pretty much hang him out to dry. <laughs> but, uh, no, okay. So, what, okay, let's, let's, let's say, turn that around. What are our hopes within the studio as to, you know, what do you think, you know, uh, King Charles III can do because I know you know I, I think Kayum you were saying earlier on that he's so entrenched in his in his charities mm-hmm. and I think even in his address he was like saying you know one of the things that he is going to really be upset at relinquishing are his charities upon taking uh, uh, th- you know taking up the monarchy uh, but he's going to leave them in good hands and you know always uh, as long as I can remember, Prince Charles has really been focused on eco-friendly charities. He's been talking right? about climate change for 40 years. Yeah. So maybe, maybe now, right, we can actually, you know, with the help of the monarchy, step it up and uh, address what we're seeing today. Because if we don't, really, if we don't, we don't have a world to live in. Or actually, not in our time anyway, right? But in our grandchildren's time, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, God willing, they will be blighted by adverse weather conditions. I mean, we, we, we just had a bit of it this mm-hmm. summer, right? I mean, since when? Can you no. remember in this country? I was saying to Imran, mm-hmm. I've never, ever in this country experienced, you know, up to 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. No way. Well, let's look at the effect of that. Last week, they sent a report out. There's going to be blackouts this winter. Because yeah. there's a shortage of electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when we talk of blackouts, we talk of India, Pakistan, the yeah. African countries yeah, where there isn't yeah. there isn't enough electricity, so they have uh, what they call load shedding. Or mm. maybe in the wars, probably. Or in the yeah. wars. Yeah. Yeah. But in a modern country, yeah. sixth largest economy in the world, yeah. the government is already telling you there might be two to three hours of blackouts every night. Mm. Yeah. Which takes me back to His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand. The head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community back in 2000, I think 12, 13, he said exactly this, that if you don't um, uh, uh, make, if you don't focus on justice of uh, utilities, if you don't change the way you work and you and, and you govern your people, mm-hmm. there will be a time when things will be, you will have to ration Countries, modern developed countries will have will have a shortage of utilities and there will be only people who are rich and wealthy mm-hmm. who will be able to afford these utilities. Mm-hmm. And, and look what's happening. What are we going through? We're going through an energy crisis. Mm-hmm. His Holiness warned. And, and this all comes down to justice and it comes to e- equity and, and being fair and, 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 and being, um, you know, showing... Do showing due respect, you can agree to disagree. Today, in the world we live in, you if you're either with us or against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I found that really, as a you know, just a sideline observer, as to just the nuances of society now, and 
um, politics around the world. I don't know. I mean, if I'm talking time-wise, I'm looking around about 2015, where decisions, or sorry, not decisions, but I think opinions became polarized. Hmm. Things became populist. You were either June yeah. 2016. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're picking out hmm. here in this country, but it was that that movement had happened, right? Yes. But it had crystallized maybe in this country with the referendum on the EU and leaving the EU. Um, but people have become entrenched in whichever argument they want to have or whichever side of the argument they are. And they don't want to listen to the other side anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. There's no compromise. It's either, like you said, Kayum, you're either with us or, okay. you know, you're, you're against us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's... I think something that maybe is my hope for the monarchy. Yes. That actually, instead of being so polarized, um, and okay, you know, the king or the monarchy is not supposed to get involved with politics, but, you know, they do have an audience with the prime minister, mm -hmm. right? Every I don't week. know. Every, yeah, week. every week, right? Yeah. So, you know, you don't. What do you just sit there and let the prime minister tell you and talk to you? It's a one way dialogue, or I should say monologue, right? Mm. But no, of course not. I would, in hopes of a more equitable, and as His Holiness, uh, Mr. Ahmed, head of the worldwide uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has said, justice. Mm -hmm. Because if you actually think about it, that is the one thing which will. Um, I suppose kind of like make everything correct yeah if you were to give justice to everybody and I'm not talking justice for the rich I'm not talking about justice for that 1% I'm talking about justice for everybody mm -hmm. an equitable life I mean you have these say for instance you know in, in our country in, in the UK trade unions going out on strike and you know I think they have personally a valid, yeah, a valid argument. Mm. Yeah, we want the right to work for our work, our labour to be recompensed, so that we we don't want to have lavish holidays. We don't want to have lavish houses. We want to be able to feed our family, to clothe our family, to like I like saying, right? Actually, to have. You know, the wherewithal to actually just turn on the heating. That's right. <laughs> right? We're not mm. asking for much. And, you know... W without if, having to get into debt. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the situation yeah. at the moment. Mm. So, but, but I agree with you, Brother Talib. I think that hopefully monarchy can fill that void mm. of middle ground. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, notwithstanding, not saying that obviously uh, Her Royal Highness uh, Queen Elizabeth II didn't. We don't know. We're not privy to those conversations. But like you said, I think uh, initially, Goyum, that, you know, I think with her being the way she was and having that nobility, but not actually, um, I mean, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. You, you'd expect and hope that, maybe our politicians could look at how the uh, how our monarchy conducts itself 
you know, you just said nobody knows what goes on behind the scene. But if you think about it as a normal person, nobody knows what goes behind the scene with anyone, even if you are a single individual. You only get assessed as a person for what you are in front of people. Mm-hmm. And we've suddenly developed this notion that just because she's the queen, we have a right to know what's behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was a human being within herself mm-hmm. besides the queen. And we need to make our assessments based on how she was and how we know her to do the service she did for with her title. Mm. And I and I can't feel I can't you can't pick holes in that. Mm. True, true. Well said. But now that brings us uh, towards the end of our program. Uh, a big thank you to our pro- uh, sorry to our producers, Faisal Syed Ahmed, uh, Maliha Shazad, Ifat Mirza, Nudrat Kasim. Uh, Faiza Mirza, uh, Amtul Bari Mahin Khan, and Anam Mahmood. It sounded like a Hollywood or a Bollywood kind of like casting there. Thank you very much for this. Thank you to our technician of the day, Asad. Thank you to our co host or my co host, Kayum Rashid and Imam uh, Imran Akram. Thank you. Here is the six o'clock news. <laughs>